Well, welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here today. We are in uh, our third sermon of consumer or consumed. Are you a consumer or are you consumed? Our first week together, what did we find out? Who is the object of our worship? Jesus, right? God is the object of our worship. In week two, we found out that there are certain kinds of worshipers that God is looking for. That God wants us to worship Him in awe. That God wants us to worship Him with abandon. And that God, sometimes we find ourselves worshiping Him in intimacy. Where we are just drawing near. You ever had those moments in your life where you just needed to draw into God. To get near to Him. So that you could know He was there. He wasn't going to leave you. He wasn't going to forsake you. He was going to be there every step of the way. And so that's what we learned the last couple of weeks. Uh, today, what we're going to focus on very practically is what is worship? We know the object of our worship, what it's supposed to be, the kind of worshiper that God is looking for. What is it? How do we worship? How do we do that? If you'd like a manuscript of today's sermon, you can go to info at bridgechurch.cc and you can ask for the manuscript. Also, if you have a smartphone, how many of you have version? of the Bible on your phone, the Bible app. You can go to the Bible app, go to YouVersion, down in the bottom right-hand corner, you can click More, okay? Once you click More, then you're going to go to Events, you're going to go to Bridge Church, and it will bring up the sermon notes for today. How cool is that? All right, so go ahead and do that. Um, so we're going to look at what worship is. And for a lot of people... In churches today, there's a lot of confusion about what worship is. A lot of times we think worship is what we saw up here this morning. How many of you know what we saw up here this morning is pretty amazing? We saw, you know we got maybe three teenagers up here. I know we have two. My daughter was up here, 17 years old. I'm so proud of her. She did so good. Thank you, Bobby Ann, for working with her and Josh. Appreciate all that. We also had Logan Stanley back here picking and grinning. Um, he is a teenager. I think he's 14. Isn't that something? Playing the acoustic guitar. And then right over here on the drums, we have Mr. Noah. And I believe Noah is 19. Noah, if you are 20, I apologize. Are you 19 or 20? 18. Man, you can pay me later. <laughs> I just made the man 20 years old. He was like, Mama, come on. I need my uh, curfew extended, please. Um, how cool is it that we have teenagers up here, half our worship band today, and team was teenagers. Is that not cool? That is what God wants. Amen. Now, that is part of worship. It is part of us expressing our love for Him. But worship isn't... Uh, do we sing from the hymnal or do we sing choruses or do we sing on the projector on the wall? Do we clap our hands or raise our hands or keep our hands low? Do we have drums or guitar? I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. So if you're Southern Baptist, I'm right there. I grew up there, okay? So I can talk about it, all right? But I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and I love my church. I love the Southern Baptist denomination, wonderful denomination, very mission-oriented denomination, incredible work they do for the Lord. 
But I was going to preach there um, several years ago, and I had been here at the bridge for a long, long time, and the pastor, about a week or two before I went to preach as a guest, he preached a sermon about drums on the stage. And they ain't supposed to be there. Because he was concerned that I might come in and talk about how you need some drums up here on this stage. Now, let me tell you something. Whatever your preference is in worship, if it's organ and piano, if it's keyboard and drums and electric guitar, whatever your preference is, that's your preference. You don't go to another house of worship and say, well, you need to be doing it this way or you need to be doing it that way because you're wrong if you don't. That's wrong, okay? But there's all kind of infighting that happens in churches because we're arguing over the way we should worship God. And worship isn't about the guitar and it isn't about the drums. It isn't about all that stuff. It's about the heart. And the enemy knows that and he has a field day when we fight about that stuff. Garrett Gustafson. Gustafson. I don't know how to say it. But he's one of the founders of Integrity Music. He defined worship as this. And it's on your screen. Worship is the acts and attitudes of wholeheartedly giving yourself to God's spirit, soul, mind, and body. It is the acts and attitudes of wholeheartedly giving yourself to God. So today I want to break that down. All right, I want us to look first at what he said there, that worship is acts and attitudes. Now, this is a definition that a man gave. All right, And as a believer, what are we to do with anything we hear? Any uh, philosophical point of view or whatever... As a Christian, what do we do with any information that we get? What do we do? I'm, I'm glad the Bible is up here on the stage. I shouldn't have put it so far away from me. But what filter do we run anything we hear about in this life through? This right here. You know what we often do in the world we live in, though? What people are prone to do is they take this book right here, and then they take something that they've heard or an idea that they have or maybe it is a circumstance that they just need to fit somehow in here and they say okay God let me find a way to make my lifestyle or make this book fit in my lifestyle rather than my lifestyle and my acts and attitudes and the condition of my heart in here it isn't about us making the Bible work it's about us living in accordance to the truth of the living God and when we look at this book with all the lights and all the music and all the stuff here's what we're about at the bridge when we look at the Bible God's holy infallible inerrant word what we have to do with that is say, okay, God, I'm looking at your word and I'm looking at my life and it doesn't add up. Something's got to change. As a believer, what's got to change? This or this? Amen? 
I know that's hard. That's hard to hear. It's, it's tough to, to hear that sometimes because, you know, sometimes we have circumstances that just, I mean, we're, we're in a, a place where we don't know what to do. And, but guys, I'm telling you, we cannot live our lives as believers making our lifestyle fit into what the Word of God says. We have got to come under subjection and obedience to God's Word. And that is a great place for another amen, but I'm going to pretend you said it. So that's what we're going to do with this definition. What we're going to do with this definition is we're going to say, we're going to ask the question, all right, worship is acts and attitudes of wholeheartedly giving yourself to God's spirit, soul, mind, and body. What's the Bible say about that? Glad you asked. In Hebrews chapter 13, Verses 15 and 16, and let me get a sip here. Sorry, I'm a loud talker. I'm not mad at you, I promise. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased with such sacrifices God is pleased so let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise so acts of worship we see on the next slide there we have some acts of worship that we find praise in Hebrews 13 that's what we just read kindness and serving also found there. So what do we see? There's an act of worship. God, let me continually offer you praise, but also help me not forget to do good. What does James 2 tell us? That faith without works is what? Dead. If I believe, I'm going to have the works that follow. Another act of worship is prayer. Revelation 5.8. Giving. Philippians 4.18, the, the act of giving and tithes and offerings, that is an act of worship unto God because we're thankful, amen, that we got a job. We're thankful He has made that provision in our life. It is an act of worship. Next slide. Another act of worship, dancing. We talked about that. David, so overwhelmed by God. And what he was doing in his life, that he danced before the Lord, bowing down, Philippians 4.10. A hunger to learn is another act of worship. The lifting of hands, the clapping of hands, all of it is scriptural. Next slide. Obedience. How many of you have ever thought of obedience as an act of worship? Yeah, we clap, we sing, we praise the Lord, we do all those things, but we walk out of here and don't do what the Bible says? That's not worshiping God with all of who we are, giving ourselves over wholeheartedly to God and what He is doing in our life, and then singing Psalm 69. And then we see those are acts of worship. What about some attitudes of worship? What's an attitude? The attitude that I'm supposed to have toward God. How about authenticity? 
authenticity, an open, honest, engaging heart that wants to know God. How many of you know what the world is looking for in a Christian? Do you know what the world's looking for? Authenticity. They're not looking for us to be perfect. Goodness gracious. I'm out, okay? I can't do it. I'm not perfect. But what they're looking for is authenticity. Can we be authentic? Reverence is another attitude of worship. Yeah, we're casual here. We're relaxed. I don't have my shirt tucked in, and I have blue jeans on. Lord, I hope Jesus don't come before I'm done. <laughs> but we are serious about the God we serve. So serious. And it's okay if you dress up. I'm not busting on you if you dressed in your Sunday. Go to meeting today to come to church. But if you're in blue jeans and an untucked shirt like I am, we're okay too. But we are reverent because God is due our reverence. And I know everybody has differing opinions about this, but I just, there are some things, some attitudes toward Jesus. Mm. And I, I probably hear something about this, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not my homeboy. He's not. He's my God. He is my God. I'm not telling you you've got to go home and tear that shirt up, but I, I can't wear that because, oh, he's more than that. He is my Savior. He is the King of glory. And he is due my reverence. And then purity. Another attitude of worship is purity. Psalm 51. Confession of sin. God wants us to do that. We look at it here in the NIV. This is King David before God after his sin with Bathsheba. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me, O God, a pure heart new, a steadfast spirit in me. An attitude of worship toward God is purity. And how do we get there? Confession. Saying, God, I blew it. I blew it. How many of you know it's okay to blow it sometimes? It's, it, you're not going to get it right every time. But don't call wrong right. Blow it. And go, okay, I blew it. Lord, I got to Get my attitude of worship right. And part of that is purity. And then unity is another attitude of worship. We see John 17, 23 and 1 Corinthians 12. And joy, an attitude of worship. Philippians 4, 8. The joy letter written from prison. An attitude of worship. So... God's calling us to these acts and attitudes. But then there's another element to the definition. The other element, worship, is the acts and attitudes of what? Wholeheartedly giving yourself to God. So we know what the acts are. We know what the attitudes look like according to His Word. So then we got to look at wholeheartedly giving ourselves to Him. The definition of wholeheartedly is an unconditional commitment 
or unstinting devotion. In Random House, it is completely sincere, enthusiastic, and energetic. That is the definition. That's the worshiper that God is looking for. That person who unreservedly, unconditionally, enthusiastically, energetically is giving themselves to God. I'm tired just reading those words. But that's what God's looking for. In Luke 10, 27, he says this. How do we get there? Well, we obey the greatest commandment of them all, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your what? Soul. And with all your and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. In the Greek, that word all means all. It means everything. We love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our mind. And here's what I want us to do today. I want us to look at what it means to love God that way. We, not, we see the attitude, all right, well, how do I get there? What does that look like for me? When I say, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart, you told me to do that. What does that look like? What does loving God with all our heart look like? Well, Proverbs 23, he's talking about our emotions. To love God with all of our heart means that we love Him with everything in us. We, we tell our kids all the time to be very, very careful giving their heart to someone. When you're really, really young and you give your heart to someone, you give yourself to someone emotionally, that can be a dangerous thing, can it? You ever, you ever given your heart to somebody and they just kind of took it and put it on the ground and sort of mm, like that and did that deal to it you ever done that that's hard as an adult but when you are a kid and you're giving your heart away and you're how do you give your heart away when you're young how do you give your heart away at all what what is the dreaded four-letter word that you finally decide to say to that special person that is so close in your life I love Not I like you, not it's cool hanging out, not we're talking, you know, none of that. Oh, it's I love you. You are it. You are awesome. You are so wonderful. When we give our heart away and we say, I love you, and then that person doesn't demonstrate the same thing, it can be disastrous. In the life of a young person, it can be as hard enough in the life of a grown person, isn't it? Because as a young man or a young woman, there have been some people in our lives that said they loved us, but they always going to be around. Mom and Dad love me. They're around. But I got this cat saying they love me, and then they're leaving me. So when we talk about that in light of worship, we talk about that in light of Christendom, and religiosity some religions teach that emotion has no place in worship and worship is very stoic and intellectual some emotion drives everything and how many of you know you cannot trust how you feel all the time amen 
You ever felt like beating somebody to a pulp? Have you ever? I mean, I cannot be the only guy that's ever felt that way, okay? But we recognize I can't respond to my emotion because if I do that right there, I'm going to have my hands put behind my back. And I'm going to be taken away somewhere because I can't respond or trust just how I feel. We may be justified in that, but emotion can't drive everything. Here's the bottom line. Whatever your background is, the Bible teaches us there is an emotional component in giving ourselves to God. If you are joyful right now, your expression in worship will be joy. If you're broken, worship may release deep grief. I was emotional last week. I walked out of the sanctuary after church last week, and somebody looked at me and said, Are you okay? <laughs> you know, they were seen. But I was just in that place. And it was very, thank you for allowing me to be authentic and real, but it was something that. God worked in and out of me last week. It's a very powerful thing. If you're grateful for God's provision, guess what? You're going to be joyful in giving your offering to God and giving your tithes to God. You're not going to come in and say, oh, here they go again. All they want is your money. It's not about your money. God don't need your money. He don't need my money. Guess what? Ain't your money or my money. He provided every bit of it. What he's after is your heart. What he's after is what tithes and offerings represent. And that is you trusting God with everything. Wholeheartedly. Giving my life. Giving my heart to him. So, I love the Lord my God with all my heart. And then it said... That passage in Luke said that I love the Lord my God with all my what? My soul, right? With all my soul. What does it mean to love God with all your soul? Let's go to the next slide. The Greek word for soul there is somebody a Greek scholar because I'm not. Suke. We used to we used to call the the the, the cows to get corn shucks and stuff and I don't mean to be disrespectful but it kind of sounds like that we would say Sioux cow Sioux cow and they would come I don't know why they did that but they did try it sometime see if you can get a cow to come to the fence but <laughs> suke is where we, our word psyche or psych is derived it's who we are it's our will our vitality Part of spirit and truth worship is being honest with ourselves about who we are. Now, this is very important, guys. We've got to be honest about who we are. The way we see ourselves determines the way we act. Can I say that again? I, I don't have a Twitter account. I probably should. I, I have an iPhone. I don't know. I guess that's a law, right? I have to have a Twitter account. That's tweetable. The way you see yourself determines the way you act. Self-perception, self-worth is a huge governing factor in our lives. 
If you see yourself as a loser, how do you act? Not everybody at once. Like a loser, right? Whatever the definition of that is. If you see yourself as a victim, what are you always? Victimized. You ever talk to anybody? Everybody's out to get them. There's a huge conspiracy against Joe Blow. I mean, from Goldsboro to the other side of the country, everywhere this person goes, it's a conspiracy. Because we've taken on a victim mentality. Let me share some truth with you this morning. Everybody ain't out to get you. All right? Sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes the car just breaks down. You know, we talk about worship and act of, acts of worship. I was working on my daughter's car Friday. I don't know if it was an act of It began as an act of worship. It ended as an act of repentance. I don't know how to do much with, with cars. I mean, I'm scared of messing up the diagnostic stuff, all the computer stuff, but I can do brakes. Come on. It's discs with a thingy, pads you put on them, and come on, man. And a caliper. Yes, I know what a caliper is. So I start working on the brakes, and I get one side done, and I mean, it's like butter, baby. Oh, glory to God. An act of worship. Then I get to the passenger side, and I almost get the five-pound sledgehammer after that thing because if all else fails, beat that thing into submission, right? You know? <laughs> then I get to the back, finally get that on. My wife made me stop and get, a, uh, get something for lunch. And would my wife wave at everybody because my wife comes in and out, and people don't know who she is. That's... The woman that I'm married to right there. It puts up with me day in and day out. So her name is Kirsten, and she is an amazing gift that God has blessed me with. I don't deserve her, but I thank God for her. And I was expecting her to say amen there, but she didn't. <laughs> Thanks for that too, baby. But she said, come in and get something to eat because I get hangry. You know, any of you get hangry boy we get hungry and something ain't working right and man it's bad so I get all that squared away then I get to the back start taking the lug nuts loose on the back side and get to the last there's five on each rim so I'm I got four loose get to the last one and the more I loosen it the tighter it gets you've ever taken a lug nut off a car, you know what's about to happen to that lug nut. It's about to snap the lug off. And so I'm like, man, I'm alive. So then I end up going to the mechanic and get him to help me take it, break it free and do all that stuff. But the things we do in this life, everything we do, the reason I stopped and took it to my mechanic is because I knew there was some repenting I needed to do, but I didn't want to have to be down here snot and everything flowing out of me today because I had acted so crazy and ugly. And y'all been there too. And that's why we call the mechanic or the plumber. I don't even try that because I know I'll flood the house. So. But we love God with all of our soul. But guys, who we are, you are not a loser. You are not a victim. You are, if you see yourself as uncreative, then you'll never create. 
And the huge problem, not just in the church, but in the world, is that we have settled on wrong perceptions of ourselves. Maybe it's because it's what somebody said we were. My brother, when we were going through school, he was the last one. He hated school. When he graduated high school, they should have given my mama the diploma because she got him through it. And he'll tell you that today. But I'm going to tell you something. He had some, and we've got educators here in this room, and I thank God for you, and we've got some great ones in this room. But he had some educators that shared some stuff. Yeah, anybody ever overshared with you? You know, words that should have stayed in their head and not come out their mouth? Well, that's what they did with him. And they'd ask him things like, well, why, why is this so much harder for you than it is for your brothers? I mean, I had them, and they didn't have the trouble you're having. I hope you're cringing when you hear that, because as an adult, I didn't know it was happening when I was a kid, but I cringed when I heard that that happened to him. Never do that to anybody, especially a developing mind. And so, thank God, he listened to my mama and not the naysayers. He listened to the good educators that were in his life who encouraged him and said, there's nothing you can't do. And because he did that, probably by the world's standards, the most successful of all three of the boys that my mama had. He's a poultry farmer. He's a fire chief. He's on the board of education. How about that, teacher? <laughs> How about that? Oh, he's, he's not learning as quick. He's on the board of education. Fire that person. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just thought that was pretty awesome, man. It's like the kid who heard all that ran for the board of education and is a part of it now. God is good. You know why? Because he didn't believe some things that not even the majority was telling him. You know we tend to hear the minority voice, right? We hear what the naysayers say. We can hear 500 glowing reviews and one person say they don't like it. And it just rocks our world. Amen? You ever put yourself out there? Come up here and put yourself out here on the praise team or stand up here and deliver a message one day. I mean, and then get on Facebook and I don't know what is wrong with that Stovall boy, but he's a lunatic, you know. It can mess you up. But we can't hear and settle on wrong perceptions. The Bible says in Psalm 23, probably the most quoted passage of Scripture in all the Bible, and I won't quote all of it, but the Bible says that God restores my soul. That when somebody has taken it and somebody has wounded me and somebody has hurt me and somebody has done everything they can to break me, that God will restore my soul. I, I said something last week and someone came up to me after service and I appreciated what they shared. 
But last week I shared that God loves me in spite of me. He knows everything about me, and yet He still loves me. Can I tell you another truth this morning? God loves you because of you. Because you're made in His image. Because you are beautiful in His sight. God made you. And He loves you because of that. And He wants a relationship with you. And what He wants you to see when it comes to your soul, loving Him with all your soul, is seeing what He sees when you look in the mirror. A lot of the reasons we make the choices that we make in this life that we settle on the things we settle on is because we don't see that we look in the mirror and we don't see what God sees and so we keep picking the same guy or we keep picking the same gal or we keep allowing mistreatment to happen in our lives because we feel like in some way shape or form we deserve that here's my prayer for you this morning that you see what God sees when He looks at you. That's what I pray for you. Then thirdly, He said, I want you to love the Lord with all your strength, with all your might. That's physical. I want you to, I want you to love God. That's why we go on missions trips. That's why we go to the soup kitchen. That's why we build handicap ramps for the elderly we get out there and do stuff again I mentioned James 2 earlier faith without works is dead we got to get out there and do something Cassie said it Cassie Sanders Cassie is over operations here at, at, uh, at the bridge here in Goldsboro does she not do an outstanding job don't we love Cassie let's give Cassie a big hand but Cassie said before church started she said, guys, it's not just about what happens in here. It's about what happens when we go out there. How are you loving people? And what are you doing? It's not just enough to bring that sacrifice and that offering of praise here in this house. What are you doing for others? Are you doing good? That's the question. So are we putting ourselves out there physically with all of our strength with all that is in us to love others as God loved us and then lastly with all our mind love the Lord with all your mind that's talking about our thoughts our intellect we've seen people in worship settings singing along engaged and just seemingly enthralled in what they were doing and then lean over and go, hey, hey when's that chicken going to be done? we got to get out of here before it burns, you know. I don't know what they're talking about, but they'll turn and, you know, like they were just all in this thing and then here they're back. Like they never took the break. And I wondered to myself, what is in their mind right now? What are they thinking? Because i got to tell you, when I get in those moments with God and I am overwhelmed by His presence, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So are you loving Him with all your mind? Psalm 139.2 says, You know when I sit and when I stand. 
When I'm far away from you, you know my every thought. When far away, rather, you know my every thought. You know when I sit. You know when I stand. And our first reaction to that is, oh, no, God knows everything. But it's also awesome because he wants to be involved. He wants to be involved in our lives and, and involved in what we're doing. Psalm 94.11 says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man. He knows that they are futile. God knows the incredible power of our brain. That it is more powerful than any computer on the planet. Capable of trillions of processes per second. But He knows that our thoughts are futile. He knows my thoughts. But here's another truth. God knows my thoughts. If He knows what I'm thinking, He knows what's in my mind, I need to be considerate about what I'm thinking about. I'm responsible for my thoughts. You are responsible for your thoughts. Your thought life determines your life. What you ponder eventually defines what you believe. And beliefs become behavior. You know, we were talking about that a minute ago. Our perception of ourselves. What we believe becomes our behavior. You believe everybody's out to get you, guess what? You start behaving that way. You'll shut everybody out of your life and you'll be alone in this world. And you'll be alone in this journey. And that was never what God intended for you. I'm responsible for so when I find myself thinking destructive thoughts, thoughts of jealousy, unforgiveness, i got to do something about that. And the good news is the Bible tells us what to do. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what do we do? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought. You read that passage of Scripture and you say, I've tried that. I've tried to take captive my thought life. I, there's a war going on in my thought life. For men, especially... Because we are visual, there is a war big time. Every man's battle is with his eyes. Here's the good news. We don't do this by ourselves. We don't do this alone. We've tried. Maybe we've failed miserably, but the truth is that God can help you change your thought life. He can help you. Romans 8, 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. God, I want you to change my thoughts. I want you to help me think differently. I want you, Lord, when I, when I look at someone, I want my imagination not to go wild, but I want to see a son or daughter of God. When I look at 
myself or I see myself, God, I want to see what you see. Worship, guys. What is it? It's loving God with all of our heart. Giving our heart to Him. Our emotion to Him. Loving Him with all of our soul. Everything we are. Everything we've ever believed we were. We take that captive and say, God, I am who you say I am. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am blessed. And I am beautiful in your sight. We love Him with all our strength. We love Him. We love Him with all of our mind. What I think. And I take captive that which I think about. So what is worship in the life of a Christian? How do we worship? How do you worship? Is it just here when we stand and lift our hands and praise? Is that the only time we worship God? Is it? No. When we're working on the brakes and we get the hammer out and we hit our finger because we shouldn't have been using a hammer on brakes anyway. But we take captive that thought of screaming something we shouldn't say because there's someone there who may be listening who's looking up to us. Worship is everything we do. It is every thought that we think. It is every act that we go about participating in. Everything you do is an act of worship unto God. And if we compartmentalize that and we put worship over here on Sunday morning and everything else, God, well, that's my stuff. You stay out of that. You just deal with this right here. I'm telling you, you are living a life where the fruit that you could be bearing, somebody else is reaping that harvest. And what God wants you to do is say, Lord, I submit every part of my life to you. I don't want to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many people here today have believed the lies that have been told about them. How many of you here today have listened to other people say who you were and because you didn't know any better, you bought into that and said, well, that must be who I am. Maybe you had parents that said that. Maybe you had folks in your life who said, you, you know, when they would get frustrated and angry with you, you're just an idiot. How could you be so stupid? And when you hear those words, you started believing them. And you started living your life accordingly. I want you to know something today. You are precious in the sight of Almighty God. You are loved by Him. And what I 
What I believe He wants for you today is to not leave this place with that baggage in your life anymore. But He wants a true worshiper to come to this place to say, I am not who I've been told I am. I am not who I have believed I am. I'm not who I have settled on that I am. I am beautiful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And there is a God who loves me and is passionate for me. So my prayer today is that you would leave that junk right here at this altar. That you would say, no more am I going to believe that. No more am I buying into the lie. But as a true worshiper, as a spirit and truth worshiper, I set this at your feet, Lord. And when I walk out that door, I know who I am in you. Amen? I want that for you. I pray you want it for yourself. And I cannot believe at all that in a room with this many people in it, there isn't somebody here who struggles with that. The sound guys are going to play some music for us. I'm going to ask us to do something just a little bit different. I don't want anybody to feel um, conspicuous or like I'm calling you out or, you know, making you come down. Everybody's going to go, oh, my goodness. So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you would stand. It's 12.09. The chicken's almost done at Zaxby's. I'm going to let you out before they pull it off the little thing. Would you come to the front? I know some of you will just be in the aisle, but if you could just come to the altar and let's close right here around the altar this morning. That would be wonderful. I promise I won't keep you long. And if you would like to receive prayer before you leave today, this altar will be open. There will be people here at the altar to pray for you. But let's take a moment. Because I don't want to leave here. i got to tell you, the thing that God really dealt with me about as I was preparing this message Y'all can just come right on in, file behind if you want to. Get in close up. I'm all right, I think. <laughs> but the thing that I really felt impressed is that God did not want us to miss this word from Him. And God doesn't want you living your life that way anymore. He wants you living your life, understanding and knowing whose you are and how precious you are. Don't live under that anymore so God we we come to you Lord we've, we've heard that the greatest commandment of them all is to love you with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind and with all our strength and God got to be honest with you I'm just not sure exactly how to do that but Lord I know that you're going to help me because your word teaches us that So God, this morning, I ask you to forgive me for the attitudes of my heart. Forgive me for believing the lie. Lord, when I was a, a kid, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but this church doesn't know it. I was 
Gosh, I was picked on so bad when I was a kid. And it was painful. And it was hurtful. And it it made me want to shut myself off into a shell and not let anybody in ever. But God, I'm thankful that you brought people into my life in key moments in my life that spoke truth into me. That said, you are special. You are precious. You are not the things that everybody has said you are. Don't believe the lie of the bully. Don't believe the lie of the parent or caregiver who just because there's a lack of control over their anger and said things to you in your life that weren't true. What God is saying to us this morning is that we just need to come to Him and first and foremost offer forgiveness to those who did that in our life. And then secondly, we got to lay that stuff down and say, Lord, I'm not living under that bondage anymore. I am not the sum of the things that people have said about me. I am not the sum of the mistakes that I have made. God, I've given my life to you. And your desire for my life is to be free. And I'm not free. So I lay this down today so that I can walk in liberty and I can walk in freedom. Knowing that the perception that I have had so long has been skewed. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the liberty and freedom that we have in you. And maybe there's one here today who has never been able to see what God sees because you've never received Him into your heart. You've never asked Him in your life. You've never taken the risk to look through that set of lenses because you've always been skeptical of God. Today is your day to say yes. To say, I will follow you, Lord Jesus, wherever you lead me. God, I will trust you with my life trust you with my heart I give it to you today Lord we lay all these things at your feet we thank you for your forgiveness and we thank you for loving us so much that you don't allow us to stay in a place that is unhealthy or bad and you pull us up out of that and put our feet on solid ground so that we can walk out of this place worshiping you in spirit and in truth in everything we say in everything that we think with everything that we do in Jesus name we give you the glory and the praise